young to be told the truth. Some years later, Molly had informed her in a fit of temper that she was no better than their mother, who had spent her time painting pictures instead of looking after her children. Ma, she said, had wasted money on art lessons, which culminated in her leaving home to live with her lover, which had created a scandal that had tainted all their lives. According to Agnes, to whom Lily had gone begging to be told the whole story, the man in question had been a louche fellow from an upper-class background who should have known better. Lily had no cause to doubt Aggie, who had worked for the Delamere family since she was a girl of fifteen, and had been a surrogate mother to the Larkin girls after their mother abandoned them. Lily had spent what was left of her childhood living in a dream world she created in her head. She made up stories about her French antecedents having fled to England in a desperate bid to escape from the guillotine, although Aggie cast scorn on such notions and said they'd been Huguenot weavers and not at all high up in the social strata. Lily had not been convinced. She remembered sitting at Ma's knee, listening to tales of wealth and family fortune sadly lost. Ma had been a bit of a storyteller, but she'd been beautiful and she had smelt as fragrant as a rose. Sometimes, when Lily was tending to the gnarled rose bush in the tiny front garden, the scent of the red damask roses made her think of Ma, and it always made her cry. Everything had changed after their mother's sudden flight. Pa had always been a remote figure, spending more time at the fire station than he did at home. Less than a year after Ma left, he'd been killed in an inferno that had raised the gutter percher warehouse to the ground. The melancholy notes of a foghorn brought Lily back to the present. The yard at the rear of the dockmaster's house was being gobbled up by the fog. The gathering gloom had a yellow, sulphurous cast to it, and the air reeked of soot. Unless she was very much mistaken, a real pea super was on its way. Very soon she would not be able to see a hand in front of her face, and it would become difficult to breathe. She abandoned the mangling and hurried out into the yard, tugging at the garments on the washing line, and dropping them into the laundry basket. Wooden clothes pegs flew in all directions, but she didn't stop to pick them up. The washing was already speckled with smuts, and large flakes of ash had begun to flutter to the ground like black snow. She angled her head, taking small breaths of the foul air, and her worst fears were confirmed. There was a new and more alarming smell polluting the atmosphere, the acrid odour of burning timbers. Fire. The word sent shivers down her spine. Her three elder brothers had followed the family tradition by joining the London fire engine establishment. Lily had never managed to accustom herself to the gnawing anxiety that filled her heart and soul whenever they were on a shout. She sometimes wished that she was a man so that she could accompany them and not be the one left waiting nervously for their safe return. Hefting the wicker basket into the scullery, she set it down on the deal table by the stone sink. She was about to close the back door when she heard the clanging of a bell and the thundering of horses' hooves as the fire engine was driven pell-mell down Labour in Vane Street. That could only mean one thing. The fire was too close for comfort. Abandoning the washing, she ran through the maze of passages that had once been the servant's domain in the days when Grandpa was dockmaster and a man of importance. But that was long ago, and now he was retired and had to exist on a small pension, a fact that he never allowed anyone to forget. 
Lily was only too aware that the house had seen better days. The walls were in sad need of a lick of paint, and plaster flaked off the ceiling to coat the worn tiles like fallen snow. But she was in too much of a hurry to pay any attention to details like worm-eaten skirting boards and missing banisters on the staircase that curved gracefully upwards from the once elegant entrance hall. She tried to open the front door, but the wood had swelled with the damp, and she had to put her foot on the jam and tug with all her might until it finally gave way with a groan of rusty hinges. She stepped outside, and sheltering beneath the tiled portico supported by wrought iron pillars, she peered into the gathering gloom. The dockmaster's house was built on a promontory at the old Shadwell entrance to the London docks. On a clear day, she would have had a good view up river as far as Sharp's Wharf, and down river to Limehouse Hole, but now she could barely see to the end of the garden path. She could hear the water slapping and sucking at the stone.